Pastor Xavier Reese, revealing two simple steps to illuminating the simple truth. Now, prayer is the door to understand God's Word. That is why prayer precedes the Word in the early church in Acts 6-4. Prayer and the Word. Mark the order. We will give ourselves continue to prayer and the ministry of the Word. It is the Holy Spirit that turns the light on when I study. I depend on the Lord. Not just my experience or anything else. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Peanut butter and jelly, a lock and key, popcorn and a movie. There are some things in life that will always be linked together. But when it comes to the church and the Christian, the simple truth is there's two important aspects that not only are believers to be known by, but are also part and parcel to victorious Christian living. Here's Pastor Xavier explaining just what those are as he begins with some more background for a study entitled The Life-Transforming Twins of the Church. The relationship between Christ and His church is said to be a great mystery, as you know. Paul the Apostle tells that in Ephesians 5.32, as well as the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. And we saw that in our series on marriage. That's the double analogy that is found nowhere else in Scripture, indicating intimacy and the sacred and binding relationship of both. The simple lesson is that marriages that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God will manifest submission, care, love, and mutual respect. I assume that all of us are very aware how carnal we can be to our mates if we refuse to walk in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Flesh produces flesh, and that's not good. You will never get spirit out of flesh, (laughs) ever. Therefore, there must be two essential elements present for successful marriages. Communication, effective communication, which means that I'm a good listener. The ratio speaks for itself, two ears and one mouth. I am to communicate clearly what I desire to express and not in some explosive outburst that attempts to intimidate my wife. Secondly, standards that you both agree on. Otherwise, the two will be going in different directions. One flesh and one mind growing together. One flesh and two minds grow apart. So it is with our marriage relationship to Christ and the church. Be it individually or be it collectively all of us put together as the church here at Calvary Chapel or the whole universal church that belongs to Christ. The church must have good communication with Christ. This is prayer, good communication, prayer. The church must agree with Christ regarding the standards, which is his word. So prayer, good communication, and the standard, his word. These two cannot be neglected nor ignored without severe consequences. To the individual Christian, or to the church corporately. God gave these two channels for the church to partake of the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer and the Word are the life-transforming twins of the church. We might call them even Siamese twins because they are 
inseparable, prayer and the word. And so, as we continue in our series here on the nature of the church, we want to look at three aspects of prayer and the word. First, we want to look at the importance of prayer and the word in the New Testament church. Secondly, we want to look at the importance of prayer in the believer's life. And third, we'll finish off with the importance of the word in the believer's life. So let's look at the history first because that's the foundation. The importance of prayer and the word in the New Testament church. The book of Acts will help us in that. Here in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 14 of chapter 1, the practice of prayer was the pattern of the early church. The 120 continued in prayer and supplication, but they were not praying to Mary, but to Jesus. All 20 were there praying to Jesus. Mary was one of them. Okay, mark that well on the book of Acts. That's the last time you hear of Mary, all right? She was praying to Jesus because she needed a Savior as much as anybody else. The Gospel of Luke tells us that very, very clearly in the Magnificent that she cries out, my Lord and my Savior. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, verse 14 says. So they're all there praying. That's how the church began the day of Pentecost. They prayed and the place was shaken. Chapter 4, verse 31 tells us of the book of Acts. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now the background is the threatening words of the rulers and the elders. Not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Okay? This is the history of the church. This is the pattern. This is the model that we have to follow. There's only one historical book in the New Testament. It is the book of Acts. When we go to chapter 7, verse 60, Stephen prayed as he was being stoned by those of the synagogue of the freedmen. In verse 60 of chapter 7, he prayed, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Modeling the example of Jesus. You see, Jesus prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so all of them can say, well, that was Jesus, he was God. But now we have Stephen, a born-again believer, doing the exact same thing. So we know if God calls us to something, he enables us, right? Here is Stephen, praying for those who are stoning him. In chapter 10, Peter prayed on the rooftop at Joppa, and God spoke to him. Remember that Peter was given the open doors for the Gentiles by the vision of unclean things and the beast of a sacrifice, and he was told to kill and eat in verse 9, to which he said, not so, Lord, a complete contradiction. But here God is speaking to him. And by the way, prayer is not just me asking for things. As we said, the racial speaks for itself, two ears and one mouth. It's that I listen to the voice of God when he speaks to me. Now, the word was the source of authority to authenticate the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost. Back in chapter 2, again, verse 14 through 16, the crowd was confused and others mocked. 
declaring they were drunk because they heard them speak in other languages and tongues. And Peter, standing to his feet, said, For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. For this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So the source of authority authenticated the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. That which we experience, that which we teach, that which we allow, we must be able to say to people, this is that in its context. This is why we do and believe and practice what we do because it's in Scripture, in its context. The Word became the authority for identifying what was going on here. The Word became the standard for the church, not the words of men. They always pointed to the Scriptures. By the way, remember, they don't have a New Testament at this time. All they have is the Old Testament, okay? Especially here in the book of Acts, okay? The day of Pentecost. All they have is the Old Testament. Now, the addition of 3,000 to the church at Pentecost did not change their commitment to the word. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, chapter 2, verse 42 says, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So they didn't get puffed up. They didn't think they had it all locked down. They didn't think they finally found the methodology or the formula. (laughs) They continued doing the same thing. The word alone can save mankind, as you know. Nothing else can save them, only the gospel. The word alone can equip men for the service in Christ. Nothing wrong with education. Get all the education you can get. But the word of God will equip you to be a godly man, godly woman. That's what's going to transform you. Now again in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. The disciples recognized prayer and the word as two basic important priorities for the life of the church. In verse 1 and 2, when there arose murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists about their widows being neglected in the daily distribution, the twelve said to the multitude of disciples, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve Diaconia means a waiter on tables. He says to serve tables. Now, not because they were too good to do the little things. Not that they were too important or famous to do the physical work. But they said in verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and appointed others to serve. Prayer in the word. The priority is prayer. The word follows. When I study, I pray, Lord, give me wisdom. As I'm studying, I am in an attitude of prayer. Lord, open my eyes. I can't just approach my text thinking that I'm smart enough to put it all together. I have to call upon God to help me, to direct me, to guide me. You understand? Regardless of my experience or how long I've been preaching and teaching, doesn't make any difference. The disciples were wise enough to know the priority of the church. It was prayer and the word. The disciples knew that the only way the church can be effective and grows is to disciple others. The example being prayer and the word. Look at verse 5. The same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen and other men to serve tables. Jesus exemplified a life of prayer to reveal the importance of power of the word by his life and his ministry. Always together. Prayer and the word. 
Ian Bounds. If you've never read Ian Bounds, get anything you can get on Ian Bounds. He's an incredible author of the past century, especially prayer. He said this about prayer in the church. When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes and his kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays and evil of every kind prevails. A prayerless pastor, church, and Christian are denying God's ability to direct and provide and man's privilege to ask and receive. Prayer, the word. We pray for our nation, for leaders, for the lost. We pray for God's direction and guidance. Pray for our families, our friends, the needs that we bring to God. We anoint the sick. We lay hands on them and let God heal those he will. We pray for wisdom for those who ask it. Partake of the Lord's Supper together, communion. That God can speak to us. It's very important. The importance of prayer in the Word in the New Testament church is unmistakable as you go through the book of Acts. It's all over. Should not that be important to us if we're the church of Jesus Christ? And secondly, the importance of prayer in the believer's life. Though we see it through the church in the history of the book of Acts, how about individually? Now, prayer is the door to understand God's word, as I implied earlier. That is why prayer precedes the word in the early church in Acts 6-4. Prayer and the word. Mark the order. We will give ourselves, continue to prayer in the ministry of the word. Prayer is to precede the study of God's word in order to have the Holy Spirit of God illuminate the mind of the individual. It is the Holy Spirit that turns the light on, as I said earlier when I, was, when I study. I depend on the Lord, not just my experience or anything else. Now, prayer implies three things. First, a dependency on God, a complete dependency on God. Secondly, a desire to fellowship with God. And thirdly, a desire to tap into the things of God, his will and his purposes. So it's not just to get things, but to spend time with God, a complete dependency on God. And certainly to align ourselves with the will of God. Daniel sought the Lord, as you know, in prayer to seek the will and the mind of God as to how he would fit in in God's plan, knowing that the years of captivity were almost up according to the book of Jeremiah in Daniel 9. And he sought the Lord, and the Lord gave him the 70 weeks of Daniel that we know. He was retired. He could have just said, you know, I'm, I'm done. But he sought the Lord. Lord, I know that the captivity is almost How do I fit in? Prayer, seeking to align himself with the will of God and how and the purpose of God, how he would fit. He had to go to God. Prayer is initiated, as I said, by the Spirit of God as well as prompted by the Word. You remember Moses in Exodus 32, 32. He interceded for Israel by the Holy Spirit requesting that his name be blotted out from the book of life. Remember that? Now, that petition was prompted by the Spirit of God. 
Otherwise, we would have to conclude that Moses was more compassionate and patient than God. God was ready to wipe out the children of Israel. And Moses says, Lord, if you don't forgive them, then blot my name out of the book of life. As if God was going to say, well, okay, Mo, okay. Uh. No. And if that prayer came from Moses' heart himself, then we have to conclude that Moses is more compassionate, more patient than God. And we know that's wrong. So where did that prayer come from? He sought the Lord, and the Lord placed a desire upon his heart to intercede for his people, the heart of God. So really, prayer begins with God so he can lift up God so he can answer what he wants to do. Does he not? Otherwise, Moses is a lot more compassionate than God. So you have to be careful you don't say, well, that was Moses. <laughs> no person is that good. It is God's spirit working in you and in me when those prayers come. Daniel was prompted to seek the Lord in prayer, as I said. He knew the word of God, the books of Jeremiah. Daniel 9, 2. So once again, if I know the word of God, then I'm going to know how to pray. What to pray for. I'm going to look and know the signs of the times, where we're at. God's Spirit was the one initiating Daniel's prayer through the Word as he was reading the Scriptures. Paul in Romans 9.3 declared that he could wish himself a curse for Christ for his countrymen Israel. Once again, this is the work of God's Spirit in and through the person. This is not natural to our sin nature. It's God working through the new divine nature as we yield ourselves to him, as we seek him, as we depend upon him. Prayer throughout the scriptures is involved with God's will and others' needs more than self as we study the scriptures. We are to pray according to the will of God, and then we're told that he will hear us, 1 John 5, 14. Now, the will of God is found in the Word of God. We're not to guess at it. We're not to go by our feelings or our emotions. Jesus prayed in Luke twenty-two forty-two, not my will, but your will be done. You remember that, as he was going to the cross. He was 100% God, 100% man. He knew the agony of the cross. He knew exactly what was going to happen. It doesn't mean he was cowering. It means that he expresses all the emotions, all the feelings that you would have gone through. So he is tempted and tested in every way as you are, yet without sin. And yet he says, not my will, but your will be done. Because that was the only way that man could be redeemed. If there's any other way, there is no other way. Then he aligned himself with the will of the Father. And he knew this from the foundation of the world. Jesus is my intercessor. And my Lord, for the defense, as you know, as well as yours. In Hebrews uh, 4, 14 through 16, he is the high priest at the throne of grace. So we're to come when we need help and have needs. Boldly. He is ready to plead our case before the Father and forgive us when I agree that I have sinned. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I write these things to you that you do not practice sin. And when you stumble, you have Jesus Christ the righteous to make intercession for you. He's the lawyer for the defense, but he only takes guilty pleas. There's no innocent person. Leonard Ravenhill said, By our attitude 
to prayer, we tell God that what was begun in the spirit, we can finish in the flesh. The secret of praying is praying in secret. My closet, I go to God, tell him my needs, and he rewards me openly every morning when we come in and we spend time in prayer, praying for you, your needs, the things that are going on in the church, asking for wisdom, direction. Financially, when things happen, we don't tell you guys anything. We go to prayer. We make the decision we have to. We go to God and we have him meet our needs. You understand? We go to God. That's an example that Jesus gives to us. Very important. John Wesley opened, uh, or he spent two hours in prayer daily and often said that, quote, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Charles Finney said, quote, every minister ought to know that if the prayer meetings are neglected, all his labor is in vain. Prayer was the secret to Spurgeon's ministry. According to his own words, he said, quote, my own soul's conviction is that prayer is the grandest power in the entire universe, that it has a more omnipotent force than electricity, attraction, gravitation, or any of those other secret forces which men have called by name, but which they do not understand. Spurgeon said, I do not believe that God ever fills a cup which is not empty, or that he ever fills a man's mouth with his word while that man has his mouth full of his own words. He went on to say, even as the moon influences the tides of the sea, Even so does prayer, which is the reflection of the sunlight of heaven, and is God's moon in the sky influence the tides of godliness. Prayer. Spending time with him for your children, for your wife, for your husband, for wisdom, for direction, for your finances, for your decision making, for the smallest of things. Should I buy this car? Should I not buy this car? Should I move to this location? Should I not move to this location? Is this the house that you have for us, Lord? The problem is that often we give God, okay, I'm going to give him a fleece. I'm going to give him a sign. If the phone will ring in the next hour one time. You know, and it's so general. Oh, yeah, that was God. No, no, no. Be like Gideon. Ask something really hard so that you know if it's God, if you're going to give him a fleece. (laughs) You're not pulling strings. The scriptures tell us that prayer is a matter of heart posture, not physical posture necessarily. Jesus told the Pharisee, or about the Pharisee and the tax collector in John 18, or Luke 18, 11 through 14, as the tax collector could not come near the temple, the Pharisee stood to his feet and he prayed to himself, I thank you, I'm not like other men, he uttered off all kinds of things. The tax collector, feeling Unworthy, He just struck his chest and says, Lord, propitiate me, a sinner. The self-righteous Pharisee saw himself as better than the tax collector, prideful. He prayed to himself. The publican saw himself unworthy and humbled himself. And God said, this man went down justified. He prayed to God. Prayer is a command of God and commanded by Jesus. Listen to Jesus in Luke 18.1. Men ought always to pray. The word out there is obligation, duty. Prayer is an obligation to God. We are to live in an attitude of prayer. 
we'll have different times of prayers. We've talked about that. But in an attitude of prayer dependent on Him. Pastor Xavier Reese with encouraging words reminding us of our one true source of power for the ongoing ministry of the church. And you can request a copy of today's important study called The Life-Transforming Twins of the Church. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And the message you'll receive will contain much more material than we had time to share with you on today's broadcast. Now, the title to ask for once again is The Life-Transforming Twins of the Church. Ask for yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese continues his discussion of the importance of prayer and God's Word in the church. That's right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com